Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary, scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I'm your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some skilly, skilly, skilly stuff for you today, boys and girls. <laughs> All right, I'll stop being a dork. All right, guys, good morning. Sorry I'm doing this late today. Had a rough week, man. My uh, nephew got in a motorcycle wreck. Hit a van head on. Flipped him head over heels over the freaking van. Thank goodness he didn't go over the full van. He just kind of went over the driver's side part. He still went over that, but he's pretty messed up. He ain't on life support. He's great, but his arm was, like, shattered from, like, his uh, his forearm and his elbow, all that's just been replaced. He's got like 16 screws and bolts in his elbow. And his leg, he shattered his uh, shin bone right under his knee all the way down. His shin bone shattered. So he's got all that stuff hooked up to him. Looks like the million-dollar man, you know, because he's got his arms stuck like this, his legs. Sorry about that. But anyways, yeah, he's pretty uh, messed up bodily-wise, but like his brain's fine. That's what's crazy about the whole ordeal. He flipped over that van, and he didn't even mess up his neck, his spinal cord, break a rib, didn't freak his back up or anything. So he just busted the shit out of his leg, shattered his leg, his leg under his, from his knee down. I mean, his foot and all that's still good, but his shin bone, he shattered it. And then, like, his arm, it's 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 rebuilt, but he's got one more surgery to do, and he's got to do the halo thing on his leg, so... Still got a long road to go, but he's healthy. I went and visited him last night for a while. Stayed there until about 10. I got home late, so I didn't record, excuse me, for this morning. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I went and seen him. Everything's good, so everything's back to normal. All right, guys, I think I got this. I had a little short in the back of mine, and every time I'd move my table or move the mic or something, it'd short out, so... And if you watch the YouTube part of it, you can see me throw a sissy fit and cuss. I forgot I was doing the video to this, and when it started messing up, I was like, God dang it! Anyways, so yeah, man, he's good. Uh, so yeah. Oh, and if you're wondering about the voice for this uh, show, I got all these little gadgets on here for different sounds. I was trying to see how this sounds, so if you like this, let me know. Tell me in the comments or the DMs. On my DMs on Facebook, Ghost Stories Told from the South. If you like it, I'll keep doing it. If you don't, I won't do it this voice anymore. But anyways, yeah, he's good. Everything's back to normal. But uh, yeah, he's got a long road to go to recovery. But let's get uh, on with some stories. Today we're going to be covering some stuff in Tennessee and North Carolina. So hold on and strap on. All right, well... Like I always say, get you a nice warm blanket, get you some nice coffee or cocoa, or whatever you like to drink. Sit back, relax, listen to us by a nice warm fire, and let's get ready to scare you. <laughs> All right, first thing we're going to do, first one we're going to cover is the towns under Tennessee Lake. Tennessee Tennessee is known for its many beautiful lakes. What people don't know is that some lakes have a secret. Under the sparkling water 
or sunken towns whose communities were flooded by the Tennessee Valley Authority. The rivers of Tennessee have a long history of flooding. These floods destroyed farms, washing away crops and homes. In the 1930s, <coughs> the, US, uh, the United States government wanted to help stop this, uh, this from happening. They also wanted to add farmers wanted to aid, wanted to aid farmers in protecting protecting the farmland so important to feeding the uh, nation. Due to this, the TFA, the Tennessee Valley uh, Authority, was created to build dams to control rushing water and produce electricity. Many of these dams created reservoirs that the created reservoirs. The new lakes they created covered many towns with hundreds of feet of water. Well, like I say, I've told you on previous stories. Back in the 30s, a lot of states were going around and damming up these rivers and places and making reservoirs. They was doing it for water supply for the area and the biggest reason was to control the flooding. So, like, for instance, the, I live by the Brazos River here in Mineral Wells, Texas. And there's probably, we live up by the first dam. You know, I don't live by it. It's like an hour away, hour and a half, I think. No, it's an hour away, the dam. Uh, that's the first dam in its system. And I think it goes all the way down to the coast, and there's six dams in its system. So, every state kind of did it. So, there's a lot of... Um, Towns that got sunken and took off, you know, just kind of disappeared. One such town was Lawson, Tennessee. It was first settled around 1800 by the Stocksbury family. John Lowell moved there early in the 19th century, and by 1866 was called Lowell's Cross Road. In 1894, the name changed to to Lawson. The town was near the uh, Clitch River in East Tennessee. By 1935, there were 70 residents that had built homes, schools, churches, and several businesses. It was like it was a lively community. All of it had to go when the Norris Dam was built in 1936. Many of the residents did not want to leave. Their families had lived there for generations. The TVA made them made them move. How would you feel if someone from the TVA came to your door and said that they were going to make a great improvements to bring electricity, but you have to leave the uh, only home that you've ever known? Many residents moved to Knox, Anderson, Blunt, and Loden counties nearby. Today, the site of Lawson is remembered as the uh, Lawson Sea. It is a small inlet on Lake Norris, and it is known for great boating, fishing, and other water activities. Another sunken town was Willie Grove, Tennessee, known today as the town that drowned. 
It was located on the banks of the Iron Creek and named for the willow trees and, and, and grew nearby. Like Lawson, it was thriving community, and it had churches, general store, a school, and a uh, mill. In 1942, the government bought the land and began to demolish homes and other buildings. This forced people to move. On, uh, on July 18, 1942, the community had its final picnic, and it was a way to say goodbye to the home they loved. Soon after the... Uh, completion of the Dale Hollow Dam. The waters came and a lake was created. It was named for the Dale family that owned the land where the dam now stands. <coughs> a third Tennessee town <coughs> flooded by the TVA was Balter. It had a long history of flooding by the Wakatoa River. In 1940, a bad one hit the community, and several people died. The event led to the building of the Wakatoa Dam. Construction started in 1942, but, the, but World War II stopped it. Building started back up in 1946, and it was finished in 1948. Bolter was the largest town flooded in Tennessee. Over 700 families had to move. Butler's story did not end... End like that of did not end like those of Lawton and Willow Grove. Though instead of being flooded and never seen again, Balter was moved twenty or moved two hundred acre moved two hundred acres of farmland to higher grounds. The town was the town was rebuilt and the people uh, returned. Many people today call it the new Butler. In 1954 to 1983, a drought lowered the water in the lake so low that the old town could be seen once again. Many of the old, old residents returned to see their old homes. Modern towns were modern towns were not the only ones to be flooded by the TVA. The site of the Cherokee towns of Choto and Tanasa in Monroe County were also flooded, located along the Little Tennessee River. Choctaw was the most important town of the Cherokee people in the late 1700s. The famous Cherokee leader, if I messed its name up, I'm sorry, and Kwakala uh, I don't know, it's it's pretty, yeah. Anyways, this, this guy once lived there. And then from 1969 to 1974, the University of Tennessee excavated the site and discovered several town houses and over 60 other buildings. In 1979, the land was partly, partly flooded by the Telosco Reservoir, and a, a monument was built near the site in remembrance of the people who once called Choto and Tanasa home. The monument is designed like a Cherokee townhouse. It contains eight pillars for each of the seven cl uh, clans and one of their whole Cherokee nation. Lawston, uh, Willow Grove, Butler, Choto, and Tonsa, Tonsia were just a few of the many towns flooded by the TVA. 
The goal is not to destroy the towns, but improve the lives of Tennessee in the future. Today, the benefit from the loss of these towns may be may be the electricity and the dams producing their uh, protection from damming floods. Just think, the next time you are in your favorite lake, that there might be a sunken city underneath the lake that you're swimming. And people have reported when they are around these areas of hearing stuff or like if people are swimming sometimes around these areas that were flooded, they'll feel a leg, not a feel a leg, they'll feel a hand or something on their leg, you know, but there's never been like anything pulling them down or nothing tragic like that. But they get messed with, people hear stuff, you know. You know, they say it's kind of weird you'll be out there and hear some like a commotion of a town or something, you know. So even though the towns are flooded, they're still alive with some of the spirits that stayed behind. Well, because on some of these towns, you know, some of these people were like hard-headed and like, I'm not giving up my land. And they stayed and they uh, drowned. And the rest is history. So, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy, though. I mean, that happened in a lot of states, though. A lot of, there's a lot of towns in America that were flooded and gone. You don't, you don't know about it anymore. You know, and there's a lot of these uh, towns that are popping back up now because a lot of a lot of places are having droughts, like uh, the big lake out there in Vegas, around Vegas. It's you know not flooding, but um, having droughts, and you can start seeing some of the older towns that were like river towns. But then when they made the they dammed up the rivers, these river towns turned into nothing because they you know turned into the lake. But anyways. Let's get on with our next story. I think you'll like it. All right, our next story is the historic Delta Queen's residence ghost. Now, the Delta Queen (coughs) was a uh, river barge on the uh, one of the one of the rivers. Oh, wait, it was a uh, okay. Here, Here, here's what it says. I know it went up uh, went up and down, I believe, the Mississippi. But let's read into the story and see what it says. An early morning, an early morning fog shrouds the river as the Delta Queen makes her way into the port of Cincinnati in 2008. River fog, according to legend, is caused when old when the old river smokes when the old river smokes his pipe. Deck hands, deck hands long ago troubled bits of tobacco or dribbled bits of tobacco into the river as they stood on the dock enjoying a brief smoke. When Old Man River collected enough tobacco for his pipe, he'd light up in the river filled with fog from his smoke. That's pretty cool. That's what they say the smoke is, the fog is. It's the smoke from the guy's cigar. Or tobacco. Superstitions, far-fetched tales, and ghost stories are haunting aspects of, of rivers' culture. It's fitting. It's fitting, then, that the uh, famous 1927 Delta Queen riverboat has a good ghost story for even Mark Twain would love. Now, docked for. Extensive $10 million uh, renovations. 
The nation's oldest operating overnight steamboat is scheduled to cruise again in the late in late 2020. So it already did, because it's 2024. Now, okay, where am I at? Listed on the National Registration of Historical Places, the Petalville Steamboat was grounded in 2008 when the wooden ship lost its congressional expansion as not being constructed entirely of uh, fire-resistant material. Uh, Mary B. Green was one of the uh, country's first riverboat captains. Oh. She was a female, apparently. She was the first captain. The Delta Queen spent more than a decade mourned in the mourned in Chocata as a hotel and restaurant. After the years of Petitions by local representatives and pa- pass- passengers and advocates or passionate advocates. Congress authorized 2018 expansion, which would allow the Delta Queen to once again play in the waterways. The Delta Queen Steamboat Company is now based on the Delta Queen's new home, Port of Kimishwa. Kimmy, sorry if I messed its name up. Kimmy Schwig, um, Missouri. Here's a little bit of the early female riverboat pilot. As for the ghost, I imagine she has never stopped watching over her beloved steamboat. One may, on on my last cruise about the uh, Delta Queen in 2008, this isn't me talking, this is a story I'm reading, of course. I stayed in the ghostly cabin and talked with then Captain Mike Williams about the apparitions. The ghost is said to be Mary Beaker Green, better known as Ma Green, Williams said. It is said that she loved the Delta Queen so much that she has never left. One of the country's earliest female riverboat pilots... The lady and her husband, Captain Gordon C. Green, owned owned Green Line sh- uh, Green Line Steamers <coughs> Incorporated. The family bought the Delta Queen in 1947, and the business began the Delta Queen Steamboat Company in April of 1948. After helping dock the uh, Delta Queen at her home port in Cincinnati. Ma Green returned to her cabin. She had died in her sleep at the age of 79. Dang. She loved her job. She stayed with it that long. That's crazy. However, the years of many cruise, crew members and the Delta Queen passengers reported close encounters with the uh, beloved, precious uh, captain to be uh, uh, Ma Green. The spirit of Mary Green is how I met my wife, Williams said. I have no doubt about that. I believe it was definitely arranged by Captain Mary Green. Former Delta Green Captain Mike Williams. Okay. At the time, Williams says Delta Queen was under the underway when the uh, captain was con- contacted in the middle of the night. A new prisoner mayor figure was considered about a guest. An elderly lady had called 
to say she was ill and feeling cold. So the pursuer asked Williams, who had medical training, to check to check on her. The stateroom was empty, Williams said. I looked at the passenger's manifest, and the cabin was unoccupied. So, that's creepy. They say there's someone down there complaining of not feeling good, and she goes to check on her, and there's no one there. Returning to the uh, Prezer's room, Williams found that Figures was now a frightened young lady. She said that there was an old lady staring at her through the window. I offered to walk her back to the cabin because she seemed so upset. As she passed by a painting of the of the late green, the young woman pointed and explained, That's the lady I saw. Oh, so that's the lady she saw looking at her through the window when she went to go check on the lady. Williams and Furger later married, and they often told people that Green introduced them together. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The Vessel's Guardian. Crew members believe that Green's helpful spirit keeps watch over her beloved boat and its crew. Like the time when Williams, then a first mate, slept alone on the vessel during the annual refurbished in 1982 and it was awoken by an urgent whisper. Thinking someone had boarded the boat, Williams followed the sound of the slamming door to the engine room. There he discovered the river water was rushing in from a broken intake pipe for the steamboat's boilers. Had I not been awakened, the boat might have sank, Williams said. I think there's some spirit that looks after the Delta. That's pretty cool, because, you know, if that guy didn't get woke up by that slamming door, that ghost say, hey, we're sinking, he would have went down with the ship, probably. Other crew members described seeing an elder woman in a long green ro- uh, robe and co- old-fashioned dress. And one of the steamboat... Uh, lodges. Marcy Richardson, the former Delta Queen historian, recalled meeting the apparition shortly after joining the steamboat company. For three nights in a row, Richardson said she caught a glimpse of a woman in the nineteenth in a nineteen thirties dress. But when she turned to get a better look, Richardson said that the woman just disappeared into thin air. Reporting the incident to the uh, cruiser director, Richard was surprised when he led when he led her to Green's uh, portrait. The ghostly woman she saw drifting by was indeed the long gone boat captain. Well, it's like I've always said, guys. When Somebody works somewhere for that many years, and that's all they've done, and they have their heart and soul into it. When they die, <clears throat> their spirit always comes back. You know, because that's all they knew. I mean, that's they love that place so much, and that's what they did. All right, let's get ready for the next story. All right, our next story 
is the new Jack Lake in North Carolina. Not the new Jack, I'm sorry. The Nickajack Lake. The Tennessee's Nickajack Lake is home to a truly unique cave with loads of Tennessee history and ghosts. Tennessee is Tennessee has beautiful lakes, rivers, and streams. But there's nowhere like Nickajack Lake when it comes to outdoor adventuring located 46 miles upstream from the Chickamauga Dam. The reservoir is known for its brilliant views of Tennessee River Gorge. Uh, it's known for its bi- brilliant uh, its its brilliant views of the Tennessee River Gorge, also known as the Grand Canyon of Tennessee. It is particularly flooded cave. However, it has become legendary. Come for the uh, boat ramps and fishing piers. Stay, stay. Uh, let me redo this. I effed it up. Come for the boat ramps and fishing piers. Stay for the legend of the Nickajack Lake Cave. Where? Okay. Now this once again, this isn't me reading. This is somebody else reading or telling their story. We're headed to the Nickajack Lake by way of some of the most beautiful roadways in the state. Tucked away in Morin County, the lake is one of the most overlooked natural spaces in the state. It's naturally natural naturally beauty it's natural beauty. But did you know that the Nickajack Lake has a cultural history that has ties to Johnny Cash? You'll find all the legend at the uh, particular flooded Nickajack Cave. (coughs) The Nickajack Cave was flooded during the construction of the dam in 1967 and can be entered by by way of canoe or kayak. Keep in mind, folks, a colony of gray bats lives in the uh, caves, so be careful. And looking at some of the pictures I've seen, I think they have it uh, a fence, some kind of makeshift fence or something there, so you can't go into the caves. Because I think people would go back there and you know, oh, let's get out and swim, and they'd get lost or something. So I don't think you can get in there anymore. Like you can go to the front of it and look in, but I don't think you can actually go in. From what I've seen from the pictures, it's naturally. Uh, where was I at? Okay. Nickajack, okay, I said that, okay. The cave was once mined for the uh, saltpeter in the 18th and 19th uh, centuries with the permission of the local Cherokee tribes. The mining was later then taken over by the Confederate government, but mining ceased when the area uh, fell to Union troops. Since the cave was a highly strategic, uh, was a highly wanted and necessary site for the South at the time. Its loss was devastating. The cave was the cave has been mined, mined off and mined off and on for years. 
But it's Johnny Cash who gave it an aura of mystery. In 1967, the story goes that he visited the Nickajack Cave seeking uh, suicide. But it was a spiritual ex- experience that the cave... Ex- ex- okay, let me redo that. But it was in... in but it was in a spiritual experience in the cave that helped him make the decision to stop abusing drugs. Gary Allen even wrote a song about it on his 2005 album, Tough All Over. Uh, would, would you visit the Nickajack Cave? The entrance is very large and safe for uh, cautious visitors. Keep in mind that there are no tours offered. The lake is beautiful, but the Nickajack Cave is a mystery. It's it is a must visit for all looking for a next a neat way to make memories here in the Volunteer State. So if you're ever there, go there. People say when they are sitting there and you're like outside the cave looking in. On a good, quiet day, if there ain't much action, you can hear voices coming from that cave. Well, because you figure it was a mining cave for years, you know, and then it flooded, and man, no telling how many tunnels and stuff, or I mean, this that's, that's crazy, but yeah, and that was the old Nicka, 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 Nicka Jack Cave, baby, all right, well, let's get on with the next story. All right, the next story is the werewolf between lakes. This is in Tennessee, too. The Tennessee Valley Authority dammed two rivers in in Tennessee in the uh, Cumberland to create two lakes, Lake Berkeley and Lake in the Kentucky Lake. The government declared immediate domain and seized the property of some 80 of eight of seized the property of some 800 families, forcing them off the land. Land that is now underwater. Entire towns were drowned by these lakes. Foundations for buildings, old roads, and railroad tracks are still down there beneath the water. Between those two, between those two artificial bodies of water live some seven or lives some 17,000, oh, 170,000 acres of land in people and 40 miles long and between one and nine miles wide. With 300 miles of undeveloped shoreline, it is a true wilderness absolutely soaking in history. If ever there was a place that was tailor-made for a werewolf, this is the place. Now, this happens between these two lakes, and just around there, I don't know why, and no one knows why. Sightings were reportedly um, reported by the first settlers in the area, or maybe the Native Americans. Okay, so, this place has been, re- the werewolf there has been reported on before the lakes were built, or maybe by the Native Americans who lived there before them. Trying to track down and actually document, though, has been 
an exercise in frustration. I cannot say with any certainty where the first report sighting of the beast took place. If the stories are to be, are to be believed, <coughs> then unlike the beast of <coughs> Bray Road of Michigan dog of the uh, Michigan Dogman, the werewolf of the werewolf of land between the lakes. That's what it's called. The werewolf of the uh, land between the lakes. R L B L. That makes sense. Land between the lakes is uh, demonstratingly uh, murderous. Allegedly, it killed a family of campers at one point and a lone hunter later on. But as far as documentation, not one note. Believers say this is because the killings were covered up by the authorities, but it isn't that what they all say. So... No one's ever, like, I mean, reported, I mean, there's a, not like, I guess, hard evidence of people seeing this, but people have reported, you know, seeing it to their neighbors or whatever, but they've never went to the papers. And uh, supposedly this is a growing legend there. It's been in this area for hundreds of years about the werewolf man in them woods. So if you're ever around them two areas of, uh, of uh, water, bodies of water, watch out for the old werewolf man. <laughs> Alright, oh, that was, that was kind of dorky, I apologize. Alright, let's get on with the next one, boys and girls. Alright, next we're going to talk about the Watts Bar and Dam in Tennessee. Now, this place has been on TV. I have seen some documentaries and stuff about this place, so let's get on with it. If you're attracted to the uh, paranormal, then the Sordane history, then the uh, Sordane history of Hell's Bar Dam, is one of one that you'll want to read while keeping a side eye on the shimmering shadows in the corner. Will Amrich. And Christina Giffer and Lisa Strickford talked about the investigation of their new show, True Ghost Stories. And Sheraton Savannah, one, two, three, on a Saturday morning. Hell's Bar Dam is located in Gold, Guild, Tennessee. It was the first multi-purpose dam of its kind. Construction began in 1905 on land owned by the Hales family. But the engineers made a group made, or the engineers made a couple of grave mistakes when he decided to build there. He didn't consider the uh area of the land in the uh, dangerous area of the river that is located that it's located on. Also the dam is built on a paranormal prowess line on, oh, it's built on per Peroas limestone, but the problems began long before the construction started. Many years before the land was cursed by Chief Dragging Canoe or Canoe, when the land was taken from the Cherokee tribe by the white man. The area also held at least two cemeteries that were distracted or distracted and were not relocated. 
And it's happened a lot back then. You know, when people were supposed to go in and move these bodies, they would pay people. And the people moving them would just get the money and move the tombstones and be like, yeah, we moved the bodies. But they never did. And some people, like these people, just said, fuck it, and didn't even uh, relocate them. Just said, screw it. So, we got a lot of pissed off spirits that are running around in this lake. Where are we at? Dangerous. Okay. Tensions and tragedy began almost immediately. In 1906, a worker was shot and killed by an unknown gunman. Another fell from a rock crusher and was uh, left with multi-injuries, including internal drama. And a boiler explosion with, the fat with fatality occurred, too. More and more tragedies continued to happen, including murder. Racial tensions built, and two African men were killed by two white men who got away with the murders. Guild, the, protect, the uh, project engineer, died from an ear infection in 1907, but the dam was complete. In 1911, the body of one of the uh, hails was found, ran over in the railroad tracks that led to the dam. Authorities did not take did not think he was drunk. Another murder happened in 1912 during the construction years. The workers' conditions were horrendous, and three workers fell into the concrete that was being poured, and they were left there to die. The bodies piled up along the along with rumors that the land was haunted. In November of 1913, the dam was finally completed at the cost of ten million dollars. Through the entire project and after completing it, it suffered from severe leak problems. So this lake, that's a dam, was leaking pretty bad, apparently. Uh, rag, rag gangs were formed where workers took rags, napkins, hay bales, and concepts to plug the holes in cracks. Despite the, ele despite the original electrical company owners of the dam in the Tennessee Valley River or the Tennessee Valley Authority spending five decades trying to fix the leaking problem, the Hells Bar Dam is now slowly seeking, uh, sinking into the Tennessee River and may only be around for another 20 years. Oh, shoot. Sorry, guys. My son just came in when I was recording, and it scared the crap out of me. I was trying to get this done before he woke up, and it made us all jump. <clears throat> the combination of numerous tragedies, moving water and limestone, cursed land, and created a perfect ghost storm. During the investigation of the uh, ghost stories, the team had multi-creepy experiences. This was... The scariest encounter. <laughs> Amy Rich was, uh, was posed for about 30 minutes and does not remember a single moment of the experience. Kiefer now, Kiefer knew something was very wrong when she went to the take a picture and he looked straight at the camera while the flashing. He looked straight at the camera, and when it flashed, he did not blink or move or nothing. It happened twice. Next, he played with a light 
Next, he played with a lit flashlight for a good uh, hour. She finally had got him out of the room in the building. When he was when he was out the door, he came back and did not know that he'd gone outside. Near running water, you can expect there to be some of mist hanging in the air. What you would ex- expect is that mist is eventually follow you as you move about. At the dam, the mist does that does just that. Even follows you on the way as you are trying to leave. On a lighter note, you can you just might see a Pac-Man, a Pac-Man spirit. Amorich saw a round-shaped figure with three legs, and yes, it freaked him out. To see more experiences, for, or this is what they're saying, if you want to see more experiences from this place and other spooky investigations, you can watch a True Ghost Stories episode. That was a good episode. Anyways, yeah, the basically, you know, that dam, you know, they it's flooded and sank in now, and it, it's not holding nothing back. So, yeah, but that's crazy. A lot of so if you ever run that place, go there. A lot of uh, a lot of history, a lot of man dying there. Like I said, people said that the spirits of the people that didn't get removed when they uh, did all this from the cemeteries and stuff. But well, I think that's it for today, guys. Like I said, I'm sorry it's late. I just had a bad week. Nephew got in a motorcycle wreck. Went to visit him, but he's good. He's just gonna be broken and busted for a while. But he'll be back. But we're back on schedule now. Just want to say thank you guys for listening. Remember, we're on Spotify. We got our own YouTube channel, Ghost Stories Told from the South. Go check out our videos. And we're on Spotify, uh, Pandora, iTunes, Amazon. And we're pretty much on any platform, guys, that you can find us. Stitcher, all the Anchor, I believe. So go check us out on all them places. Tell your friends about us. Hope you enjoy these stories, guys, and we will uh, holler at you later, man. Bye.